are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. You know, this is a scripture that I, I love this scripture. It brings hope, it brings life. And you know what, how many people know that Canada needs a healing? Come on, let me see your hands. Canada needs a healing, Canada needs a touch, Canada needs a visitation, not even a visitation, but a habitation of God the Father. And we're, we're, we're walking through right now where families come together. Family is, and we're starting on the first point there, family is Christ-centered, spirit-led. I think too often I believe uh, that we get to that place where all the effort we put on the supernatural. You know what? Like I'm just sitting there and I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for God to touch me and then I'll go and do this. Or I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm waiting for God to clean up my life. And when God cleans up my life, I will be able to fulfill the, the, the great commission. I'll be able to fulfill that. I'll be, able to do, be, I'll be able to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. And there's not enough emphasis, I believe, placed on personal decisions and choice. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Kind of puts the onus on us, doesn't it? You know what? That, that, that whole uh, first scripture that I read, If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. But I think so often we just kind of sit back in that place and say, okay, God, change me. You know what, God, do what you want to do in my life. Lord, I want more of you. And the Lord's like, you know what, I've given you everything. But we now need to make that personal choice to flee from evil. We need to make that personal choice to say, God, I want to humble myself. What is humility? You know what, in Bible college, we had different awards given out every year, different scholarships, and in my senior year, I actually won the Humility Award. And when I went up to the front to receive my award, they didn't give it to me because I wasn't humble anymore by accepting it. Okay, perhaps that story's not true. But it does illustrate the conflicting ideas that we have about entertaining humility. What is it? Where do we get our ideas about humility? Because if the Bible says, if God gives grace to the humble, how can I eagerly pursue his best for me without falling into mere self-interest? See, I look at humility as an active verb. For we read in 2 Chronicles, if my people will humble themselves, I also want to look at this morning, Matthew 23, 12. The comparison of these two verses seems to put the onus on us that we must actively pursue walking in humility, yet there is so contrary to what we think humility is. Matthew 23, 12 says, But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For as a Christian, we say to people, I tithe. You know what? I'm faithful to my wife. Oh yeah, I go to church on Sunday. You know what? I, I follow the commandments of the Lord. I walk in what God has for me. But if we make that statement that says, I'm a humble guy, automatically it's some, somehow that statement null and voids us from the, previous, from the previous comment. Yet 
1 Peter 5, 5 says, in the same way you are younger, submit yourself to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God opposes the, uh, opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. You know what? Each one of us in here are of age, of adults, teenagers, and I believe that every single one of us dress ourselves in the morning. You know what? I know sometimes my wife, she leaves little, I, I, I grab my t-shirt, my jeans, and she's like, oh no, you're not wearing that. I'm like, why? I love this shirt. She goes, no, you're going to wear that. And she lays it all out in the bed for me, but still, but still, it's my job to be able to put the pants on, to be able to put the shirt on. I dress myself in the same way we're supposed to clothe ourselves in humility. It's an active verb for we must decide to do it and then actively pursue that. Do you know the, the rarest metal in the Olympics wasn't created from gold, but it was created from a bolt? The story begins in the 1964 Olympic two-man bobsled team. There was a, uh, uh, an Italian bobsled uh, driver, Monty, and he uh, went down the hill and he did the run and he found himself in, in first place. The British were right behind them. They were in second place and they were getting ready to do their last run. And when they were up there to do it, they broke a bolt on the back axle. Without hesitation, Monty quickly undid the bolt from his axle, got it up to the hill so the British guy could put that together, and he compete. And when he competed, he ended up winning gold medal. The press went wild with this. The press says, you know what? Because you gave him that bolt, you lost the race. Because of the decision that you made to, to support or to help out the British team, you now are holding the bronze medal. And quickly, Monty, in his wisdom, stopped and said, it's got nothing to do with the bolt that I gave him. It's got to do with that he was a better driver. Then they started up a sportsmanship award, and, and uh, it, it, uh, it's called, um, I don't know if I, where it is right here. Uh, the first Ducoupton uh, Medal for Sportsmanship. The award was named after the founder of the modern Olympics, and it is the noblest honors that can be bestowed upon an Olympic athlete. In other words, it's the most precious hardware than any Olympian can own. See, each one of us has a choice, whether to be proud or to be humble. We have that choice to say, you know what, God, I want to humble myself, God. I want to come into that place, Lord, where I say, God, help me to walk under that, that, that umbrella that you have for me, God. Help me to walk in that place of humility, because in this scripture of Matthew 23, 12, there's also an active, uh, there's another side. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves is the, is the active, uh, active verb, but the passive verb is here is that uh, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. God will humble us if we don't walk into that place. Now, for all my English professors out there, I know they're actually both active, uh, active uh, verbs. But when you take a look at it, I'm not referring to necessarily the English uh, verb, verbiage of it. I'm referring to the, the, passive, uh, the, the, the passive verb is for the recipient who walks in that place and says, you know what, I just choose not to humble myself. An excellent example of this is King David. Everybody loves the story of David. David is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. But I found it interesting that an unnamed Bible scholar created and charted out the life of David in 2 Samuel. His findings were in chapters 1 to 10 of 2 Samuel. We read about David's triumphants. In chapter 11, 
the transgressions of David where he fell with Bathsheba. And then in chapters 12 to 24, we read about David's troubles. The scholar then goes to state, David's glory and fame never be the same again. He confessed and he was restored, but he would, would he have been greater if he humbled himself and the Lord didn't have to humble him? What about, what about a New Testament example? What about Ananias and Sapphira? Stood before the, the elders of the church and said, you know what? We have sold everything and here it is. And they lie before the Holy Spirit, both of them dying. Where the Lord humbled them in such a way that it, was, it, was, it, it brought fear to people saying, we better not mess around with who is holy. I think today we think that God is just this, this God of grace, this God of love. And you know what? Thank you, Lord, for your grace. For we make sin, all have sinned and fallen short of his glorious standard. But we want, or at least I want, I want more. See, I don't want to be just satisfied with the status quo. I don't want to be just satisfied with just saying, you know what? My goal in life is to get into heaven. And if I make it in there by the skin of my teeth, praise God, I made it. I want to be totally, radically, 100% sold out to God the Father. Where it's like, Lord, let my life be a love song to you, God. Help me, God, to humble myself. Help me, Lord, to be able to look for opportunities. Help me, Father, to be able to do what you want me to do, God. I want to grow in you. I want to mature in you. I want to become the man that you created me to be. You know what? We're going to still blow it. We're still going to make mistakes. That's where that grace comes in and says, it's okay, son, you're trying. I'm going to give this to you again. And you're going to pass this and you're going to go on to what I've destined for you to go. You know what? I think that's when we're the happiest. I think that's when we're the most alive is when we're just actively seeking God and saying, God, I want what you want from my life. Imagine every single one of us in this room right now fulfilled what God had for our lives. Man, Jesus took 12. And when he took 12, he radically changed the world. What about 200? What would happen if God just took 200 people and just totally got us so on fire for God that it was kind of like, Lord, I don't want to live my life for myself, but God, I want to humble myself and walk in that place that you're calling me. And Lord, I'm choosing this morning to be able to humble myself. God, I believe that it's the better choice because Lord, I don't want you to humble me, God. I find that humility and holiness is, is walking hand in hand. You know, it says in 1 Peter, be holy like I am holy. Again, it seems like a choice to me. Be holy, follow me like I am holy. We talked last time about the fruit of the Spirit being evident in our life. Do you know that humility is a fruit of the Spirit? The New King James Version is used the term gentleness. Other translations use meekness, but the Greek word is uh, Praos, which is one of the root words in the New Testament for humility. As believers, we've been set apart. We've been called to a life that is accountable. Jesus says in Matthew 12, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, 
How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good fruit from the treasuries of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Isn't that powerful? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where do you find your heart going? Where do you find, where do you find your mind traveling? You see, I don't think I would be a really good pastor if I just sat here and just said, you know what, let's just do what we want to do and be happy because God wants us to be happy. But yet I think that is kind of crouched into the church a little bit. Now, I'm not walking on the side of legalism either because there's a balance with everything. God is the loving God. God is our Father. But he requires everything of you. You see, if you... When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if, if the preacher, the person up there says, you know what, I promise you that this is gonna be an easy life now because God is with you, you were extremely misled. When we give our life to Christ, he wants everything. It's gonna cost us everything. And we need to sit in that place and say, God, what do you require of me, God? Because Lord, all, everything else, Lord, will come in line when I place God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, when we, when we were in Bible college, they would sit down there and they would try to teach us. They'd say, you know what, guys? You gotta be really careful because we've seen too often pastors, the ministry becomes their mistress. Where all of a sudden, you know what? You love the Lord your God with all your heart and that's first, but then you love the people, and you're always running, and you're always doing things to be able to meet the needs of people, and then your family goes farther and farther down the list, and they kind of drill that into you, instill that into you, and as I've grown, and as I've studied, I think, you know what, that's not, a, that's not the truth. The truth is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, period. Once that happens, everything will fall into order when you're saying, Lord, will you show me what my part is? Will you show me when something happens how to handle it? Is it my responsibility, God? Or Lord, do I feel that somebody else needs to do it because we're a body of Christ coming together to be able to fulfill the great commandment? God has got awesome plans for your family. God has got awesome plans for you as a couple, as you as an individual. You know what? I love going on holidays and, and, and doing all this kind of fun stuff in the sun, getting away from the cold for a little bit. I'm not a big fan of snow and winter. But you know what I'm really, God's been really stirring in my heart? Missions is who I am. I love missions. And now that my, my children are raising up at age seven and age six and age three, I want to start to look at mission opportunities for me to go on as a family, to be able to serve and to be able to give. To take that time just to say, you know what, kids? This is the foundation, doing what God is calling us to do as a family. Isn't that awesome? To be able to say, let's serve the Lord together. Let's walk in that place together as a family. Holiness, like humility, is a vertical and a horizontal relationship. For one hand, we recognize our flawed humanity before a holiness of God. Isaiah saw a vision of two seraphim shouting, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. 
George Barna says that holiness has at, at its root means to be set apart. Therefore, Christians who are presumably set apart from God should also be set apart in the behavior from those around them who do not love or obey God. Humility, like holiness, needs both dimensions, the vertical and the horizontal, in order to be complete. You know what? What is Christianity? It's not a title. It's not a social club. It's not just something that we do. It's everything. We need to be totally, radically, 100% sold out for Jesus. Perhaps it's like, oh, pastor, here you're going. You're wanting me to be fanatical. Exactly. Be fanatical. Be radical. Be totally immersed in the Father. Remember a couple weeks ago when I was sharing, I was talking about the color purple. I saw in someone's Facebook post the other day, I'm going purple. And a bunch of people said, what? I was just like, that's awesome. What does that mean? See, for those of you who weren't here a couple weeks ago, it says, you know what? Purple is not a primary color. But if God the Father is blue, which is a primary color, and Jesus Christ is red, which is a primary color, when you mix the two together, you get purple. And once the two are mixed, they can never be, they can never be divided again. Jesus says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because the two of us are so intermixed together. And I walked in that place where I said, we need to be purple people. We need to be so saturated with God the Father, so immersed with Jesus Christ, that when people see us, they're like, there's something different about you. I want it. How can you be so peaceful when I know the situation that you're going through? How do you respond when all of a sudden chaos happens in your family? How do you respond when all of a sudden that rug gets pulled out from underneath of you? Do you immediately go to fear? Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? How is this going to all work out? Or do you stand in that place and say, Jesus, I don't like this right now, but God, I trust that you're with me. Because he says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and a sound mind. He says that we're overcomers. We have an authority to be able to stand in that place, no matter what hits us, no matter what hits our family, no matter what rises up, to say, God, help. I need you, Lord. God, this is looking desperate. This is looking, Lord, it's looking not good. But God, I trust you. And if all of a sudden what we've been praying for, what we, what we want to happen doesn't happen, then what? Are we going to just throw up our hands and say, God, if you were real, you wouldn't allow that to happen to me. A great example of that is death. Lord, why did, my, why did you take my dad? Why did you take this? We're all going to die. We all have a time. And I don't understand why some people die earlier than other people, but all I can do is sit in that place and say, God, I don't understand, but Lord, help me to trust you, Lord. God, I don't understand why, God, I've been struggling with this pain for so long. But God, I read in your word that healing is for today. I read in your word, Lord Jesus, that you are the great physician, that you are the great I am. And God, I'm gonna continue to knock and knock and knock until, Lord Jesus, you have broke the sickness from my life. Lord, I don't know if my kids, Lord, have chose to walk away from you, God. 
order. We did everything possible as parents to be able to lay that foundation, God. To be, able to, to, to be able to raise them, Lord Jesus. And God, your word says that the word of God will not return void. Stand on it. The prodigal sons are returning. The prodigal daughters are returning. You got a kid who's not serving the Lord right now? Pray for them. God will get a hold of their heart. But you know what? Sometimes he's going to use us, not as a nagging mom or as an angry father, but as someone who is love, who's just say, you know what, son, daughter, I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm there for you. To walk in that place where, again, we, people just see Jesus on us. You know what, when they know you're Christians, they're gonna watch you closely. They're gonna see what that word Christian means to you. You know, it's so funny. I remember as a, as a teenager, uh, you know, I loved 80s, I still love, I love 80s music. It's just so awesome. That's, that, 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 in the 80s, that's when they really knew how to play music. <laughs> and I ran, I ran so far away. Well, like, like, what deep lyrics? <laughs> but quite often you'd see these tours. You'd see Madonna on tour. And before, before they would all grab, before they go on stage, they'd all grab hands and they would pray because they're Christians. And it's like, what? I, like, I don't, I don't see that fruit. I don't see what you're, I don't see what you're praying about right now. I, I, I can't see that lining up. What's the fruit in your life? Is it love, joy? Peace, patience, goodness, kindness, humility? Or is it something that you've noticed? That you know what, on Sunday mornings you get to church and you go into that place and you just, you just come in and you just do your thing and, and all of a sudden you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and then when Monday comes... And all your buddies after work say, hey, what do you say we go for some beers? And it's kind of like, no, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to I wanna follow what I believe God's telling me to do. And they're like, come on, let's go. And you're like, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll just drink Pepsi. And then you go there and you order a Pepsi. Then all of a sudden someone buys the first round and you, you're like, well, I don't want to be rude. So you have the drink and then before you know it, you need to get a cab out of there. Because you're smashing. And then you get back at that place just like, God... Our lives have to line up with Scripture. And it's personal choices to say, you know what? I know if I go to that bar with my friends that it's going to lead me into temptation. I know that's going to happen. The Bible tells me to flee, to run, to get out of that situation. Sometimes we've got to make those tough, tough decisions. There's all kinds of humility. Man, there's even false humility. You know what? I really believe that fasting is a way to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves and pray. And every January, we step into a corporate fast of 21 days. And if you've noticed, for the last three years when we've started doing this, I've never said, okay, everybody, you need to fast 21 days. And 21 days fast is no food for 21 days, just water. 
It's like, no, 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 you seek the Lord on behalf of, of you and your family and say, God, what do you have for me to participate? And whatever the Lord leads you to, that's what you gotta do. But see, then, then there's an arrogance that kind of rises up. And so uh, how's the fast going, Michelle? Going pretty good? What, what, are you, what are you doing? 21 days? 21 days? Yeah, yeah I'm doing 21 days too. Are you, do, are you doing, uh, are you doing uh, the Daniel fast? Uh, Daniel fast is with fruits and vegetables. You're doing the Daniel fast? Yeah, I'm just doing water. <laughs> what about you, Jarl? Just water. Oh, j- water, good. That's what I'm doing. I'm just doing water. Oh, but you had a glass of juice. Yeah, thought so. Hmm. You know, I, I, I actually heard a pastor bragging one time about the fast that he was on, that he gained weight. Oh, yeah, he gained weight on the fast. Because why? He took a blender, and whatever you could blend up, that would be, it would be, become liquefied, and that would be the fast. You know, go down through McDonald's, drive through six, seven cheeseburgers in there, blend it all up and drink it, and you're fasting before the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor, how long are you fasting for? I'm doing 21 days, water only. Yeah, well, I'm doing 40 days. What? I mean, hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> there is a false humility. It's a hard issue. There's going to be times where we blow it. There's going to be times where we, where we try to claw our way up to the top. There's going to be times where we, where we see an advantage and we take it because we have that sinful nature. That's when grace steps in and God says, okay, son, it's all right. Keep trying. Keep going. I love you. Grace is not a cheap grace. But I think so often we just t- take that thing and say, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do, and it's okay because there's forgiveness on the other end. You know what? It's true. There is forgiveness on the other end. But like David, don't you want more? What would your life be like? What would God be able to accomplish if we walk in that place of total, 100% surrenderance to God? My heart's desire is to see churches stand up together, brothers and sisters, to see the army of God immobilized, and this city doesn't have a chance. Why is that arrogance? I don't think so. I think we truly have something that the world is desiring. I think we truly have something that the world longs for and they're looking for it, but they don't know where to find it. And they find it through alcohol. They find it through sex. They find it through broken relationships. They find it through bars. And yet, us guys, girls who've stepped into that road, have, who've walked down that path, we know the emptiness that it brings. And until we get to that place and we say, God, I need you, Lord. And Lord, I want to be the man or the woman that you created me to become. God, I want to choose to humble myself, God. Lord, I want to be Christ-centered, spirit-led. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, 
seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. It's a promise, but that promise has got conditions that we need to step into and say, God, I need to fulfill that because Lord, my family needs healing. I need to fulfill that in my life because Lord, my workplace needs healing. I need to fulfill that in my life, God, because Lord, Canada, Coal Lake, Alberta, wherever the Lord takes us needs healing. And God, help me to be able to step into an anointing that I've never experienced before, God. It's not exclusive. It's not for the pastors only. It's not for the evangelists. It's not for the, from the guys who've written the books that we read. It's like, man, oh, look at them. They're doing so much stuff for God. Oh, stop navel-gazing. Navel Walk in that place and say, God, what do you have for me? And Lord, I want to fulfill that. I want to walk into it. I don't want to. Lord, I promise that I'm not going to sit back lazadaisically anymore, God. David cried out, created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. David, a man after God's own heart, sat in that place. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. God, I need you. I need you every single day. May that fruit in my life, Lord, the fruit that is not from you, God, let it die. But God, the fruit of the spirit that is gleaming in my life, Lord, let it get riper and prune it and make it get bigger and vaster and more plentiful that God, the world, when they see me, they'll see Jesus. When the world sees me, they'll see that I have totally, 100% been set apart. If you've lived in the same house for more than six months and your neighbors don't know who you are, I think that's maybe a little sign. Lord, Help us to be who you've created us to be. Help us to be a light in the darkness. Help us, God, to shine bright, Lord, and not become just Christians by title. But, God, we are walking, talking, living revival. We're going to partake of communion now. Ask the ushers to come forward and the team to come. Maybe uh, Mark Hayward, um, somebody else, come on up and just, I don't know where the ushers are right now. Mark, that's awesome. Yarl, maybe you can jump in there and give a hand too. First Corinthians chapter 11, we read on the night that he was portrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks for it. Go ahead. Then he broke into peace and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. 
Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Now check out verse 27. Quite often we stop there. But in verse 27 it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak, and some of you have even died. Christianity is not a game. It's not just something, a little badge or a sticker that we get to place on our chest. It's a lifestyle where we say, God, I want every single day to be more and more like you. And I just thought this morning what we'll do is we'll just take that opportunity before we partake of communion together just to seek our hearts and say, God, if there's anything in there, Lord, that is not of you, if there's any fruit in there, God, that I know is, is, is not bearing the fruit of the, that you have me bear, God, then, Lord, would you destroy it? And, God, that good fruit, Lord, that pure fruit, that holy fruit, Lord, Lord, would you have that bloom and blossom in my life? Let's just take a few moments as the band plays and just say, God, would you examine my heart, God? Would you show me, Lord, what's in there? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.